Welcome back to the California Work Comp Report podcast. Today is Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. This is your host, Corey Olson, here with Dr. John Alchemy discussing RateFast Express COVID-19 impairment ratings. If you're a workers' comp professional right now, you might want to listen to this one. And how are you doing today, Dr. John Alchemy? Hey, Corey, I'm doing great. How are you over there? I'm doing well, doing well. Our topic today um, is on a retrospective of kind of the last year of the pandemic. And I say retrospective, but that certainly doesn't mean that it's over uh, because we still have not only new COVID-19 workers' comp impairment claims that are coming in, but we also have the workers' compensation claims from the pandemic that were never closed and the ones that are still open and the ones that have yet to be open, as well as um, all of the complications that that come from that and a kind of a, a unusual case of something happening where there's a completely new, uh, you know, pandemic-worthy disease that we're still figuring out uh, kind of the the long-term effects of and, and everything like that. And then tying all of that into the notoriously complicated world of workers' compensation. So um, once again, I say that I say retrospective, but really it's uh, it's ongoing, but we have a year to look back on. So um, uh, our first question for you, John, is um, at you know, after about a year plus, what has been your experience as a workers' compensation doctor during the coronavirus pandemic? Well, I think, you know, early on in the pandemic, we really didn't see a lot of claims. Um, And then I I think people, the the testing ramped up. um, We came uh, more aware of them. I think um, industry, you know, became more standardized with testing. Um, People started to get uh, diagnosed more timely. And then I think um, what happened is that, and again, this is my experience, um, there's a little bit of a lull, and it wasn't until maybe about four to six months ago that the cases really started rolling in with regards to work comp. And so these were people who, you know, were working in um, industry, maybe working in, you know, areas like uh, uh, food production, essential workers, and and things of that nature. And, And my suspicion is that a lot of cases just didn't get reported. Um, people either didn't want to tell the employer that, you know, they were um, positive. Maybe they got tested in the community and found out, um, you know, maybe they, they felt some pressure, like they had to go to work. Um, and then, you know, it, it started to spread in that fashion. Um, I think, I think too, a lot of these um, people who are first line workers and essential workers, a lot of them have second and even third jobs sometimes, and it becomes confusing as to where did they really get it? Um, Mm -hmm. Did they get it at home? Did they get it at, you know, the second job and they're trying to claim it came in from their first job. And there was a lot of um, confusion around it. So, you know, in my personal practice, you know, it was really about uh, four months ago when we saw the first wave of, of, COVID cases uh, filed for work comp um, hit. And in in some of the cases, it's pretty clear. They had one job. No one in the family was sick until they were diagnosed and, you know, coworkers were sick and so forth. Um, I also think that 
we have been getting better at, you know, providing uh, personal protective equipment protocols. I think people were getting, you know, a lot more compliant with the social distancing and, and things of that nature. So I don't want to say that we've we've turned the corner, although I, I think we can see the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is this is like, you know, version one of <laughs> the yeah. COVID. And, and there's going to be, you know, some some post-exposure syndromes, I'm sure, um, that are going to be uh, claimed. And I think that there's going to be a second wave of work comp um, claims where people were diagnosed, um, seemingly recovered, did fine, and then turn up later to have some unexplained illness that, you know, may or may not be, uh, you know, scientifically supported. But we have to remember this is all happening real time. So we're trying to learn about this as it's unfolding in front of our eyes. So I don't think a lot of this will play out for yet a couple of years to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to kind of back to back your point about, you know, how we still have to see a lot of the claims and not only that, a lot of the claims, especially now that I'm thinking about it, the ones from early on in the pandemic kind of, at Rayfast, we talk a lot about the fact that claims will pile up, right? And then so you'll have a if you're if you're a workers' comp doctor who's sort of inundated with all these claims that are COVID nineteen related, on top of all of your usual duties, you might have some claims from early on where you didn't really know how to rate it or something, and then just like a lot of the other papers you know, the ubiquitous papers on every desk of every doctor or every person that works with papers ever, uh, you know, that's, it might get lost in the shuffle. And, um, and so to kind of, to kind of look at some statistics about COVID-19 and kind of hold those up to the light of, of workers' compensation, uh, claims and sort of how, how those get held up in general. Um, we're, we have to revisit the statistic that we talked about, I think, if not in the last episode, then the last uh, the episode before that. It's that uh, in December of 2020, over 50% of work comp claims were COVID-19 related. And, um, you know, it's you can definitely attribute a lot of that to the fact that it seems like there was a bigger proportion of those claims being uh, COVID-19 related because so many people were working from home. But you still got to think that there were a lot of people that weren't and that there were, it's just a, a staggering number to have uh, 50% of any number of work comp claims be anything related. Um, and, uh, and, and since then, um, apparently over the past couple months, the uh, work comp claims have gone down. There are some conflicting reports, but, um, but again, that, that doesn't, mean that one like you said that the the claims won't have lasting after effects and and again that that the the claims that have come in from during the past year have all been resolved since then um just like every other uh kind of case with work comp claims in california over uh statistically speaking you know and and we have some numbers from 2018 that uh, about a fifth of work comp cases were disputed. And this was before the coronavirus pandemic, before we were dealing with something that a lot of uh, uh, doctors and just people in general weren't prepared for. So you can only imagine that um, it's only going to kind of cause more complications in in getting work comp claims uh, passed and approved and everything. So 
but I want to ask from your experience, John, what are some of the uh, the challenges for diagnosing it um, and the challenges, you know, at work for uh, the workers and, and that cause complications for physicians and such? Well, um, you know, I, I think, I think, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, the symptoms, the most common, you know, symptoms that are going to show up are the respiratory symptoms. Of course, we all know that like, you know, cough and fever and shortness of breath and so forth. But what I think, um, a lot of people in clinicians, at least early on in the, in the pandemic didn't understand is that, you know, COVID could also present as issues such as, uh, uh, with gastritis, uh, bloating, um, you know, diarrhea, constipation, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then, um, this, this very, um, uh, large, um, presentation in skin, you know, and, and people didn't really understand that, you know, these, these depositions of immune complexes out in the feet and hands and these rashes that people were showing up with were really related to COVID. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I think it, it took on a, a very, um, broad presentation and, and it wasn't the majority of them were, were probably respiratory, but there were a lot of other things too, that people had, um, you know, insomnia problems with their vision, their hearing, you know, so there were a lot of body systems involved and it added to a lot of, um, complexity and confusion, uh, for people. And it really made it hard to, to uh, triage and figure out who needed to be tested and who didn't just because the presenting symptoms can be so variable. I mean, you can feel well and have one or all of the symptoms or no symptoms at all, you know, and, and it just, yeah, it just really threw a whole wrench into the whole diagnostic filing and everything else that, that went along with it. So it was a big, it was a big challenge. I think um, also too, what to do with these people once they, you know, showed up with a claim and, how to handle them, how frequently to see them, what tests do you order? Because there weren't any, you know, there just wasn't any good guidance on how to do it and how to work these people up. Um, yeah. And even now we're just kind of learning the risk factors of, you know, like if you have an underlying, you know, immune problem, you know, you're probably going to do worse with COVID or asthma or obesity, yeah. um, you know, all of these things, you know, will, will, will change it. And then of course, in work comp, all of those things that are pre-existing need to be considered for apportionment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a, yeah. such a nasty illness, you know, <laughs> it just seems that the more that comes out about it, it's just this sort of <laughs> all purpose, uh, ruin your life, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I want to take a, I want to take a quick uh, aside and say, you know, thankfully people are, are getting vaccinated for this now, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, sure. uh, cataclysmic about, you know, it's just, I mean, it leading up until still, you know, but, um, so, um, I have a kind of a more specific workers comp question, you know, what, what happens when somebody files uh, a COVID-19 claim, but doesn't follow up on it? Yeah. And we've, we've had that, um, in my own practice where we have people who, um, essentially, you know, present, um, they have some symptoms and then we just don't hear from them again. They don't answer calls or they don't come to follow up. And, you know, just to be clear, that happens in any 
or comp claims sometimes where people don't show up. Um, and then, you know, we simply do something called an administrative close. So we do like a, a snapshot of what their signs and symptoms and physical exam was at the last visit. And then we create the impairment rating based on that. And, um, you know, we call that an administrative impairment rating, but, you know, cases need to be closed. And, and I think a lot of work comp doctors and clinics um, that are these higher volume urgent cares and so forth, they, they don't really um, understand the significance or the necessity of having to close these claims because, um, you know, the, it, technically it cannot be closed until they've had that primary treating physician's permanent and stationary report. And, you know, when you're writing someone up and say, oh, they, they just didn't come back and they must not have any signs or symptoms, they're a zero, um, is, is not the correct way, um, no. you know, to close these claims. You, you really have to go on the last available information and it's anyone's conjecture on, you know, what happened to them or how well they, they did in their full recovery. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, considering worst case scenario without beating around the bush, you know, if they died, it would be a lot different for the claim than if they got better yeah. and went back to work. Or yeah, in, in that extreme hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the uh, what's what's the word for that when when kind of, you know, there's there's apportionment, which is sort of our workers compensation term for uh, an injury or an illness that it's kind of partially because of a work comp claim um but then also is it is it called contradictions is that what i'm thinking of when when say like your covid um after effects are making your uh asthma worse for example or something like that um well it it can be an exacerbation or yeah yeah it's 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 an exacerbation um you know of the condition um, and then once once it becomes a permanent aggravating you know factor, it's um, uh, you know it's it's just a prolonged contribution to it. So it does um, it does affect you know the the outcome and you know the the, the rating elements and how the apportionment's done does is you know the same as any other claim. But the difficult part is understanding on how you want to bound these underlying non-industrial conditions to most accurately reflect, you know, how much they are contributing to the permanent disability that the yeah. person's walking away with in their claim. And you know, that's the real trick. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of sort of, a, you know, these, these complications and secondary symptoms and stuff, that means that there will inevitably be a second wave of COVID-19 claims that, that follow the onset of secondary symptoms and, um, and, you know, new claims need to be open for that. And it might, you know, cause some sort of effect on claims that are already existing. Um, could you tell me, you know, kind of what you anticipate happening for this uh, second second wave of COVID nineteen claims, or if you know you have any predictions or thoughts on that? Well, I think a lot is going to depend on what we decide. The science says is you know, documented and supported, you know, from a statistical standpoint about these post-infectious conditions and syndromes, Um, you know, will it be that, you know, we decide that there's a, you know, chronic fatigue um, that can come from this, or is it going to be that, you know, people um, are at higher risk of depression, you know, as an exposure, Um, will it be that, you know, a certain amount 
will be at increased risk for heart failure later on as they, um, you know, go through time. And that really right now, I think, is still an unanswered question. Um, again, one of the things we have to understand is that this is happening in real time. So we're, we're seeing patients respond and react and recover, or partially recover from the COVID infection, yet we're still trying to learn, you know, what is emerging as, you know, science saying, yeah, this is, you know, a significant finding and this is not. And that's really hard. It's yeah. really hard to do um, when they happen simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just because it's a very new uh, development, you know, the coronavirus and and how, how to handle that and everything, there, there are still sections of the AMA guides, the uh, uh, the, 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 the book that is used to, to formulate impairment ratings and, and to do workers' comp calculations for, for final impairment ratings and such that are pertinent to, um, you know, the illnesses that are similar to uh, COVID-19. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what parts of the AMA guides are pertinent to, you know, close enough related to COVID-19? Sure. At at the top, we were kind of discussing, well, what are some of the body systems? You know, the respiratory is is by far and away the most common presenting. Um, I mentioned that there can be some uh, gastric or GI issues, skin, and then central nervous things, um, such as dizziness, vision, hearing, uh, loss of, loss of uh, smell and taste. A lot of people are familiar that that's um, a, a pretty specific um, symptom of COVID. And, you know, all those things are rateable. Um, so, when these people come in, it's very important that the clinician um, have some type of standardized approach to taking an inventory on these major body systems because they're all potentially rateable um, for permanent um, impairment and subsequent permanent disability. So, so you know, respiratory for sure. And and when we do the ratings. Um, for ourselves and, and also for our clients, um, one of the most important things for a respiratory impairment rating is to get a good history on exercise tolerance. So, you know, really how far can you walk? When do you get short of breath? And it goes all the way from, I feel fine with no symptoms at all, all the way to, you know, I'm so breathless that I really can't leave the house or have difficulty doing very basic activities like getting dressed mm-hmm. uh, or cooking a meal, something like that. And one of the things I've seen um, that's come across, uh, you know, in my experience is a lot of these adjusters, insurance adjusters, you know, uh, pulmonary ratings have always been present, but, you know, with COVID, you know, that's gone up by multiples and the adjusters just are not used to seeing impairment ratings for pulmonary loss. And so um, they get a lot of sticker shock when they look at these impairment ratings, because, you know, this isn't um you know, a shoulder injury with an upper bound of, you know, 54% whole person impairment, these, yeah. these go all the way up to a hundred percent. So you can have, you know, some, some different variants of symptoms and the ratings will come back 15, 20, 25%, um, or higher. And the adjusters just aren't sure how to respond because you have to remember an earlier podcast, we've talked about this, that, you know, for the most part, you know, people have a hard time understanding the intricacies of, of impairment rating. And so the only other way they know how to respond to an impairment rating is 
by the value that's given in the report. And, you know, reacting based on a, a value is is obviously incorrect. Re- reacting based on the data and understanding how the data is rated is a much more you know, appropriate understanding of impairment rating. But that being said, um, you know, people are are very emotional. And when they see numbers on something that, you know, they're not used to seeing on other body parts, it raises a lot of questions and causes a lot of confusion for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking, we were talking in our last episode uh, about how the, the, all the stakeholders, you know, for all intents and purposes, more or less kind of speak different languages about the same umbrella topic, which is workers' compensation. And so mm-hmm. so not only do you have sort of internal, sorry, these these variations in internal jargon um, or, you know, uh, shop talk re- regarding uh, the, just the general milieu of, of workers' compensation, but then you, <laughs> you throw this whole new thing in there, uh, the, you know, this whole new kind of concept in there, and, uh, and then you have to expect uh, people to make it run at least as good as it was before this concept was introduced, and suddenly that thing is, at least for a certain point in time, 50% of what people are talking in different languages about so uh so yeah that that is a um definitely a complication so that is yeah a lot gets lost lost in the translation for sure Mm -hmm. so that brings us to um what we at ratefest can provide to workers compensation professionals which is our RateFast COVID-19 specific impairment rating, sorry, the RateFast Express COVID-19 specific impairment rating. And uh, we currently have a blog post on this and uh, the blog post came after we had already been doing it for quite some time. So, you know, since we've been talking about the fact that a lot of what we've uh, discovered and learned and and have applied from things that we already know from workers' compensation, is is largely experiential. We have a lot of experience under our belt regarding doing COVID nineteen specific impairment ratings. And um, John, could you tell us a little bit about what the RateFast Express COVID nineteen impairment rating is? What the uh, what the physician will see on their end, and also what they ex- um, kind of what they'll see when they get back, and uh, what happens in between that we do. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, at RateFast Express, we really wanted to simplify the the workload and the complexity for the doctor and the patient um, by just uh, answering a, a few crucial and critical questions. So, for years and years, we've we've done all these ratings. Um, they're just retooled now uh, in a certain constellation for COVID nineteen. Um, like I said, particularly. Things like, uh, you know, the respiratory rating and, you know, and if you're going to do a classic respiratory and rating, uh, respiratory impairment rating, you're going to need a full pulmonary function test and maybe even with a um, uh, with a with a CO um, diffusion test. And, And these just are not reasonable to be doing on people. Um, although sometimes we'll do them on, on the more severe cases or maybe people that were, you know, hospitalized in the unit or, you know, have ongoing oxygen requirements. Um, but you know, there are other ways around rating when you don't have that level of detail 
And RateFast Express helps you figure that out. So we'll ask questions again, some very basic questions that you can ask, you know, how, how well are you doing when you walk? Um, you know, how well are you doing with your activities of daily living? And the patient and the provider can simply go through this checklist. It doesn't take more than five minutes, the physical exam, another 10 to 15 minutes, if that. And you send it in and you get a great report, totally formatted, um, you know, all weight averaged coming back, future care if you need it, the functional limitations, um, you know, depending on what the doctor wants. And, and it just really, really simplifies it. So everyone knows that at least they got a halfway decent impairment um, result for settling. And that's really, you know, always been our mission at, at RateFast is to try to get the right rating, the right, you know, the, the first time, the right rating. And we know that, you know, if we do that, the stakeholders are going to get along a lot better than someone saying it's zero and someone else saying it's a hundred, you know, that just doesn't work. So, so, yeah. you know, the, the questionnaire is, is the tool. Um, that we have that helps everyone kind of come together and agree on what the findings are and what the outcome is. And meanwhile, takes a lot of the, you know, um, takes a lot of the stress off of everybody. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, oh, we have a, we have somebody in, in the chain who understands kind of the, the languages of all, um, of all these stakeholders and not only that, but communicates with all of them. Um, and that that is uh that it is it is highly recommended that that uh you know physicians who are working with workers compensation and workers compensation claims uh check us out and see if uh see if uh rate fast express is is good for you and your covid-19 specific workers compensation claims absolutely so for yeah. the so for the workers compensation professionals uh listening in right now you know, give us a, 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 a give us a visit to our website um, at rate-fast.com, or you can go to ratefastexpress.com. And uh, we have a, a new website up with a new aesthetic and everything. So even if you're a returning visitor to our site, uh, you might be uh, pleasantly surprised by what you see. So thank you, uh, thank you again for for the show, John. And um, we will talk to you next month, and hopefully. Um, Hopefully we'll we'll have some uh, you know just just steadily better news about the current situation. For more about COVID nineteen workers comp impairment ratings and the RateFast Express COVID nineteen impairment rating service, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com and give RateFast Express a try at rate-fast.com. <laughs>